Thank you for downloading this episode of the Carbon Life Pods. Conversations with the creative, successful, inspired outliers. Available on Fountain App, Spotify, Apple Podcast and Anchor FM. Special shout out goes to at T infinity forward slash 21M on Twitter, who won this podcast's first ever competition by posting a clip of an episode on social media. The prize was 21,000 sats, a shout out in an episode and a Coach Carbon goodie bag. Who wouldn't want that? You can get involved too by downloading Fountain App and listening to your favorite podcast through the platform, providing the listener with an opportunity to engage directly with the content creators. Be on the lookout and keep your ears to the ground for future competitions. If you can't wait to win some sats, then you can earn some by using the affiliate link coincorner.com forward slash social forward slash coach carbon. Create an account and receive £10 when you purchase £100 or more worth of Bitcoin. For any European listeners, you can use affiliate link bitcoinreserve.com forward slash ref forward slash coach carbon and receive €10 with your first qualifying Bitcoin purchase. Not only will you be peering your head into the rabbit hole of financial curiosity, You'll also be doing your part to fix the money and eventually fix the world. Until such time, whether you're working, exercising or relaxing, please enjoy this conversation and allow it to spice up your life. Welcome to the next episode of the Carbon Life Pods. This conversation um, I've wanted to have for a while, not necessarily recorded, but after recent developments, I thought I'd have to have to do it. So if you'd like to introduce yourself and then we'll get into the, the meat of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. My name's Jefferson Harriet or JJ for most people that's know me or Jay um, throughout my life. It's been called various different things, but um, yeah, now in my older years, I've settled for Jefferson Harriet. It sounds a little bit more professional. <laughs> this is going to sound so planned. So I had an idea of how I was going to introduce you after you spoke, but it was literally going to go on the nickname. So I was going to say, when I'm going to say, the biggest, so I want to congratulate you on recent developments, but first of all, I was going to give you a round of applause for the accolade of um, maintaining and owning the nickname JJ, because I'm not, I'm not sure if you <laughs> One remember. of us had to do it, eh? <laughs> back in the day, so Oxford, it was Oxford United Colts back then, before Oxford City Colts, the team my uncle right. Jason Carbon started. Um, so the team around us, you, having three syllables in your name doesn't work playing sport. It's just too long. Mm-hmm. So my nickname he gave to me was JJ which I loved. And then obviously everyone on my team called me that. And then our first season, we come, come up against Florence Park. And who have they got? They've got a JJ. And so yeah. few, Some of the most confusing years of my life that was. We used to play <laughs> games and I'd hear your uncle shouting JJ. <laughs> I'd constantly be turning around. And then I got my dad on the other sideline telling me, it's not you get on with the game kind of thing. So yeah. 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 Obviously for a few years, we, we had head-to-head battles on the pitch, moving up to schools, middle school, upper school. I kind of lost it. Mine just got shortened to Cyrus or Jay. But I was always yeah. quite envious of the fact that you were known in Oxford as, oh yeah, JJ. I'm like, oh, I wanted that name. So yeah, first of all, yeah, yeah, congratulations yeah. on that. There's, <laughs> there's only one real JJ in Oxford and that's you. <laughs> so um, yeah, let's get, I think we get to the, the start, obviously start of the conversation, where you are now. And then if we can talk back to how you got there and your, your experience and experiences in life to yeah, get to a, a job that, I think it's very sought after and yeah well well done for for achieving that. Thank you very much yeah so um, I've recently taken over the role of uh, head of academy recruitment for Oxford United Um, so I oversee a team of scouts um, working um, alongside the coaches to try and discover wants and needs and and where we believe we could bring in um, improvements into the squads Um, talent talent identification um, is kind of what the overall role would be. Um, it's just that uh, we're out looking for future stars and, and trying to bring them into the building. Nice. So um, the the job. Do you mind if I ask how it came about? Obviously, you you were in uh, a, absolutely. You were in the Oxford United setup already. Were, were you? Were you not? That's right. Yeah. So a number of years ago, um, Oxford United put out a post to say they were looking for scouts. Um, at the time, I was currently uh, coaching. I've done a bit of coaching for various teams over the years and and saw the opportunity come up and I thought, you know, it sounds like my kind of thing. Um, And then from there, I scouted as a voluntary scout for a number of years. And then uh, last year was made redundant from my current role that I was in, um, working in IT sales. And it just kind of fell in line with um, 
the departure of the the previous head of recruitment, which was um, a gentleman called Gareth Hamer. Um, he got uh, picked up by Southampton, so he's moved over there to continue his role in the in the industry. And then um, my role became a vacant one, so I thought I'd give it a go. I'd, I'd pop my CV over, and um, yeah, all kind of seemed to fall in line after quite a lengthy recruitment um, process. <laughs> Amazing. So I think the story that you just mentioned, I think, is is prevalent for a lot of people since lockdown 2020 things just seem to line up in place but I think it doesn't tell a full story of work you put in so you mentioned the fact that you were a voluntary scout obviously unpaid I'm guessing absolutely yeah I'm guessing you're watching games all, all times of the week time yeah so um we kind of had a, a overall brief um for what we were looking for in the building and stuff but kind of took it upon myself to try and go above and beyond um try to do that in any role that I'm in um, I just think that the, the more you do, the more doors open for you. Um, so, yeah, there were there were days where I'd disappear at nine in the morning to catch an early kickoff and, and come home at nine at night just because I'd been and dotted myself about, watched six or seven games during the day, met loads of friendly faces, networked, 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 and, um, yeah, found myself walking through the door late in the evening. Yeah. But, um, I mean, for me, it, it didn't really feel like work watching football and Football's been a part of my life since I was young enough to kick a football. So um, it's never really felt like work to me. I've just really enjoyed my time and enjoyed opening doors for, for the younger generation. And, and all that at the same time was obviously you had your full-time job in IT. You're, you're raising a family. Um, so I can imagine Absolutely. That, that it was must have been difficult to juggle that at, at times. It was, yeah. It was. The, there were times where um, where you kind of push yourself a bit too far some would say and then kind of had to take a couple of days to to evaluate what I was doing how hard I was pushing myself but um like I say I was enjoying it like the the, the work in nine to five was was kind of a need I felt like there was a necessity and and I had bills to pay so that was never going to go away um and then in my spare time juggled the the family football life um to the best of my ability I mean the girls my girls have never gone short um, and they're probably happy to see me going out the door in the morning <laughs> and, and disappearing for the day. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I got the balance right in the end and and it's all kind of got an awful lot better now. Okay. So your your redundancy, I think I remember seeing a, a tweet or on Facebook post when it happened. Um, I've reached out to you because obviously I, earlier on, and I think yeah, the year before, I'd been through a similar sort of process, although mine was voluntary. Did you, was it unexpected? Would, did the company make you aware that this may happen? So it, it was kind of out of the blue. Yeah, I think that it was it was within the lockdown period. So it's a little bit difficult for everyone. And the, the company made a decision to uh, move their sales team up to Manchester. So um, we had the, the option of either trying to continue to work in Manchester, which would have meant uh, two to four hours in the car twice a week, or, um, or we could take the redundancy. So um, I decided to take the redundancy. Um, never been nervous about changing roles, but this was the first time where I was like, actually, I've been at this company for 10 years now. So before I ask, that, I was kind of, yeah. yeah, so before that, I was kind of job hopping and I'd be in roles for about a year, uh, 16 months maybe. And then I'd say, oh, I want to try something new. Uh, so this was the first role that really caught my attention. I was really involved and invested in in what I was doing. Um, so ended up spending 10 years and. So I, I felt like I had the experience on my CV to move within the industry. Um, there, were, there was a lot of my peers had gone on to, to work in different roles within the industry. So I had a lot of uh, contacts at different companies. But uh, like I say, the, uh, everything aligned. And then I got the, the call from Gareth to say, look, this, there's going to be an opening. This is what's happened. Are you happy for me to, to put your name forward? So I was like, oh, yeah, it seems like it's the time. Like it's yeah. happened kind of falling in line stars have aligned and all that kind of stuff and um yeah, yeah i thought i'd give it a whirl definitely definitely but obviously you, you put in the hard work to put yourself in that position obviously you would have been recommended um by gareth for, for good reason um oh, going, back, going back to your so you did a voluntary scouting and you're coaching at the same time is that right yeah so yeah. um so i started coaching maybe six, seven years ago now, um, helping out with a women's team over at uh, Oxford City. Uh, saw out that season and then felt like um, felt like I would like to start my own side. So we had a bit of a, 
a start to finish journey, hopefully. Um, so decided to take a women's team over to Aberdeen United, uh, built it up from scratch. We, I had a, a squad that I felt would come with me and they, they did. And we, we added a few players, um, had great success over the first couple of seasons, um, back-to-back promotions, uh, League Cup doubles. Um, and then from there, I decided to take a year out and then got back into coaching with a men's side um, over at Freeland. And we had a successful season there, won the League and Cup double again, and then uh, found myself helping out with the women's side again this season, um, where again, they're going from strength to strength and currently top of the league. So, yeah, um, putting in the minutes, I mean, there's always that that balance and, and kind of trying not to overdo it, but I just love football. So I'm yeah. never going to never gonna complain about the, the graph. <laughs> yeah. So do you, obviously there will be differences between women's and men's. What yeah. are the most obvious differences you see with the coaching both teams, the both sets? Uh, <laughs> the women are more willing to learn and listen, which is, is quite strange because a lot of the women in my life don't ever seem to want to listen. But um, yeah, they are. They're, they're always willing to to be be told like or be advised on, on kind of what they can do better, how they can improve their games and and you see that they really do take it on board and you see those plans really come into action. Um, I found with men it you always had the kind of ego challenges with with some men where um, like I, I my highest level was was decent local football, but you'd find some that had dropped down from from ex pros and so forth that kind of felt a bit above your comments at times and and kind of they would decide when they put the graft in and whatnot. So um, there was always that kind of challenge for the men. Um, yeah, the women were more open to learn and, and kind of accept and, and take on advice. Um, other than that, there, there, there wasn't a major difference. I know that um, the, the women's game will always be challenged by some people, but some of the players that I've worked with over the years have been absolutely fantastic and I'd be quite happy to drop them into some of the men's teams that I've played. So, yeah, um, both both have their challenges, but both have their pros as well. So, um, yeah. enjoyed my time with both sets of players. I think that's something I would definitely like to see. I'm not sure. I think the FA changed the rules. Um, I recently hosted a football tournament. Um, we had girls and boys playing and I was going to make a younger age group under 12, so I thought that's the limit. But I think the FA you changed the rules, things at under 17s now, is that right? Uh, potentially, I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, having having the girls play against the boys, they ma- they more than matched them. We all wa- we watched some really good football, and it was nice just to see them competing on a level yeah, with them absolutely. and not feel, not feeling that oh we, we need to shirk challenges. But it came from both sides as well. The boys were getting stuck in, the girls were getting stuck in, and yeah, it was nice to see. My, what I love to see yeah. kids playing football overall and just being happy is is kind of the the goal at that age. Um, some parents can be a bit more pushy some parents can can want a bit more but ultimately it's about the kids just enjoying themselves and and the skills and talent will grow and, and become a part of that as they get older yeah your um what was I about to say? Yeah, yeah your role then sorry as a as head of recruitment now you mentioned about mm-hmm. networking before meeting local people obviously being an Oxford boy and grow, obviously growing up to be Oxford Oxford man um do you think that Benefits. I assume it does benefit. There may be maybe six of one, half of the other. But I think having someone local who knows the game and knows people locally surely must be a benefit to Oxford United. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a benefit. I think that um, uh, the foundation of what we do should be bringing in the the best of local talent. And I think that we're, we're a big city. Our talent pool is very big, and there's no reason to to be bringing in kids from from further afield to, to play at under nines, tens, um, sevens, eights and so forth. We should be really ring fencing Oxford and making sure the best talent from within the area stays at the club. Um, the long-term goal is for me is, is to see the, see the first team in five, six years bringing out seven or eight homegrown, homegrown players each week and, and the fans really being able to to scream Oxford's name with their with their chest, knowing that half the squad is is from the kind of ten mile radius. That's that's the dream for me. That, that, um, would, be nice. that would be nice. But um, yeah, it's funny I mean, you say that because I went for a walk with Stacey today, and we spoke about obviously my son's um, school leaver age. He's just left school, sorry. 
we're talking about where he where we can fit him in for football. Obviously, he's playing out in a private academy in London, but we want to bring him more local. Um, and we had a conversation, sorry, about players that didn't make it in Oxford but have made it elsewhere. And a couple of years ago, I made a team in my mind of players that are playing league football, whether it's the same level of Oxford or higher, that didn't go through the academy or went through the academy and didn't make it into um, the first team. And obviously, most recently, I won't name names, but there were a couple of players that played against Oxford the other day and got a win and were getting abuse from the fans. And it was like, if the fans knew the journey that these players have gone through, they might be more sympathetic or have more empathy for them. Yeah, and I completely, completely, um, completely got where that player was coming from when he made his comments. And and yeah, I've I've been around. I think our age group was was one of the key ones that um, a number of people recognised at our age group when we were coming through and, and picked up by Oxford. And then you just further down the line, watch them filter out to, to clubs from surrounding areas and and not getting that full journey with Oxford, unfortunately. Um, so I think that that's, that plays a massive part in why I'm so passionate and making sure that we keep the best quality players within the building. I know we'll have challenges. We're in a catchment area where I think there's about 18 clubs that can take from, from Oxfordshire because it's within the, the travel restrictions. So um, we've got a challenge. There's, there's Cat 1, Cat 1, Cat 2 academies that we're going to go up against week in, week out. But if we can provide the best quality service on the doorstep and we can make sure that every interaction that we have with these players is a positive one, then at least we're giving the parents of these players a, a realistic option now within the Oxfordshire area to say, you don't actually have to travel as far as, as these places to get a top quality academy and coaches and, and a, a very good environment for your kids to be in. So it's just about us providing the best possible option and, and hoping that, the rest take care, takes care of itself. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you made that point because I had a theory for older players that weren't given an opportunity, possibly financial, or they're looking for that one player to break through that can get a couple of appearances and they, they can then sell on, which we have seen. But yeah, for the younger ones where possibly where there's no financial gain at that, at that point is how, how do you keep them there? And obviously with the, the lure of other clubs, you've obviously got your, your Red Indians, Southampton, something Swindon in, in the area. Yeah, how how do you yeah. keep them? But you mentioned creating an atmosphere where they want they want to be part of the club, which possibly has been lacking of, of late. Absolutely, and and yeah, that's that's kind of my job now to make sure that we're as a club pushing in the right direction, so that when I do bring players into the building, um, and then they're getting contact from these kind of Cat One, Cat Two academies to make sure that. We've, we've done everything that we possibly can to ensure that that player stays with us. We're providing the right, the right service. We're providing the best coaches. We're providing the right atmosphere, the right training environment and making sure that there's a real conundrum in the head of the parents when they're, they're being approached by these higher, not so much higher, but um, kind of cat one, cat two academies. Um, and we're really setting our stall out to kind of the best we can. Yeah, I think you, you Oxford have made great leaps and bounds with that. They've got the new training ground. They've got the connection with Oxford City, obviously, with the facilities there and the 4G. And obviously, I've taken my son to those places and I'm looking, thinking, I wish I had this when I was younger. But I guess every, oh, generation, yeah. every generation thinks that. But thinking back to places where we trained, even like when we were younger, but even as like at the youth team level, training in, in Stanford, in the bog, you look around thinking, yeah, you're having the time of your life. But when you come up, come up, up against teams that have the better facilities, sometimes it, it does show. Um, I oh, think absolutely. There's a podcast that's due to come out, and I mentioned um, a coach, Les Taylor, his comment, um, who motivates the motivator. And yes, we were motivated, but you can motivate to a point, but obviously, like anything in life when it comes to um, athletics or car racing, your facilities, the equipment, the team around you is going to play a part. So, yeah, there, are, there have been great leaps and bounds from, from my time of getting ham, cheese, tuna, wet sandwiches <laughs> for lunch. <laughs> it's an ever-changing scope though isn't it I mean I, I look back to when we was young and we was kind of grafting away in the cages and and knocking about every every day we'd finish school and someone would grab a ball and with me and play 20 aside down Florence Park and whatnot with kids kind of three four times our age but now it's it's like today's society kids come home they'll jump on an iPad you won't see them for two days and then you drag them out and they don't want to be out in the cold. They, 
you feel like at times they don't even appreciate what they've got. I mean, I'd love to go back and show them, actually, look, this is what we used to train on. These were the boots that we, to be fair, you had your fair share of these some boots, but I was running around in these bulky Puma Kings on my feet and trying to keep up with everybody. And I'm like, the kids today, I just wish I could show them what we had yeah. and help them to appreciate what they've got a little bit more. Well, it is a prime example. When I used to coach my son's team at Oxford City or like under was it nines, tens, they used to complain about the the, blue, the black rubber bits in their boots after the game. And I'm like, yeah. boys, when I was growing up, my biggest was worry that I slid in some dog shit. <laughs> That's what I'd worry about. <laughs> I'd worry that the parents had before the game and had gone round and checked the area and I'm going to do a slide attack and be covered in shit. But I'm thinking, you don't, know, you don't know what you've got. But obviously for them, that was something to complain about because they're used to that level of, um, of uh, what do you call it, of facilities. But yeah, it was comical Absolutely. sometimes. They used to complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear it week in, week out, and I'm just like, you don't know how good you've got it. <laughs> so, we obviously, um, the role you're in now, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't dox you and say Tom Freedom, but we we met in Sainsbury's um, mm. last week. Just coincidentally, um, I don't think we've ever, ever passed in the, in the shop before. Obviously, we see each other out um, and then obviously connect online. But it was it was odd, the fact that we'd been in contact and then I'd seen you in Sainsbury's. Like, it was what, half past two on a Thursday? Like, I was yeah, there yeah. getting some bits and pieces with my mum. You were there getting some stuff for, for, your, for your household. It was like, it was nice to see. And we were both beaming with smiles because obviously in a place where we enjoy what we're doing, we're loving life. And it was like, yeah, <laughs> a little little nod of, yeah, of acknowledgement. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this, this, is, this is achievable. So we shouldn't feel guilty for it. Absolutely, no. And I think, I mean, I, I don't, I really dislike it when people say oh you're so lucky to be where you are and stuff because because the hardships and, and the graft that I've been through to get there it, it, I don't ever feel like it's luck. I feel like I've, I've been through some of the some terrible times and, and I've struggled through certain days and stuff like that and and the graft that I've put in over the years has finally got me to a stage now where I'm starting to really enjoy where I am with life and I've got a, a role like you say that gives me that element of freedom and you can kind of walk around with a smile on your face and waking up on a morning for work isn't a challenge anymore. So yeah. I think that behind, like like they always say about the, that um, image of the um, the iceberg where they say that you, you, everybody sees just the top end yeah. and, and what's beneath the surface and stuff like that, what you've had to go through to get there is, isn't ever seen or recognised. So yeah, I mean, we're both, we're both in a great place now, but people like don't get to see what what we had to go through to get here kind of thing and yeah. and we've we've both earned it so no it makes you appreciate it that little bit more definitely definitely and also i get i'll go on and say i don't dismiss what people are doing now so i left a profession that i know people love doing and feel the way i feel about like construction but for me it just wasn't my Absolutely. purpose so I had to find a way out and get out and yeah so hats off to the people that find their purpose early on and make a career out of it like, i know there were some People like QS is estimated. They absolutely loved it. And I used to look at their stuff and think, how are you excited? But obviously that, <laughs> that did excite them. But for me, it was like being out, meeting people, being active. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, oh. seen, I've seen that in, in all professions. I mean, in IT, I managed to meet some amazing people that are very passionate about it. And I completely understood that. In coaching, and, and I watched coaches going off and doing UA for A and UA for B licenses and all they ever wanted to talk to me about was formation and tactics and stuff like that and I'm like I just want to go home and just just put my feet <laughs> up and chill like but they just go they they don't ever sleep and and I'm like I've, I feel like I found a role now where I'm kind of similar to that and like you say it's not dismissing anybody or, or any role that anybody's previously taken up or, or really enjoys like everybody has their role out there that, that they're going to love and I think that I found mine so yeah, it's been a hard graph to get here, but like I said, I appreciate that, but more now. Definitely. So coaching-wise, you mentioned UEFA, um, is it A and B? Yeah. So did you get to that, that level? Did you get those qualifications? No, so I, I got up to level two, yeah. um, and I felt like that was enough for me and what I wanted to do with my coaching career. Um, I had the option to do um, my UEFA B. I was requested to go on a course, but I... I just didn't feel like with what I was trying to do, it was necessary. Um, so, yeah, I decided to go down the talent ident identification route instead um, and pick it up from that side. But I know some, well, 
obviously now being where I am and and previously I've known some some coaches that have gone off and done some great things with those qualifications. So definitely add it to your CV if you're going down the coaching route. Yeah, I think though, like with anything in life, I've at the stage I'm in now or right now, I've realised that the qualification with a bit of paper doesn't always equate to experience and knowledge. So there are probably people walking around with bits of paper that it's not worth a, it's not worth the papers written on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, but I mean, every, every bit of knowledge, there'll be there'll be nuggets in there that that will really set them apart from the others at times. And um, I'm a firm believer of knowledge is power. I think learn as much as you can, absorb everything. Everybody that you're talking to, there's, there's information from them that you're going to be able to get that's going to help you at some point further down the line. So, yeah, learn as much as you can and. Yeah, if it's for you and you're going down that route, then definitely go for those um, for those courses. If it's not for you, then then fight, look at the route and look what you're after in the future and just try and absorb as much information from everywhere as you can. Yeah, well, I guess at the end of the day, ultimately it's about proof of work. So yourself, when you were coaching, putting teams together, winning trophies, winning cups, um, identifying players, watching them go through go through the system and and, and making it. So yeah, there's... There'll be, there'll be a time span where you look at someone and think, actually, yeah, you have achieved whether you have that bit of paper or not. But yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah, it's just absolutely. a case of either getting it to get through the door or going through your experience and saying, I don't need that because I've done this. Look at my CV, look at my proof of work. Absolutely that. Yeah, absolutely that. So I can get experience is massive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm guessing you work like week to week, whether it's Sunday to Sunday, Saturday to Saturday. Could you run through like your week roughly what, what you would go through because obviously people don't uh, know I, the, the, uh, I, the day-to-day I mean all, all I can yeah. all I can tell you at the minute is is Tuesdays is supposed to be my day off um <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, to- I, I've, I, I've kind of put a plan together of what I want my week to look like and and obviously I'm, I'm contracted to the club full-time hours but what full-time hours means to to me and, and means to them will always vary like I'll I'll set aside and I'll say, right, I'll be in the office on these days and, and I'll do this at this time. But then a game will crop up in Peterborough or somewhere else and I'm off in the car and then getting back at 10, 11 o'clock at night or Saturdays and Sundays could be at two, three games in a day, could be in one. Um, so, yeah, it's it's quite fluid, my working week. But generally speaking, Saturdays and Sundays are set aside for, for scouting and, and helping out in the academy and and watching trialists that are in the building. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday evening, there's training sessions. Um, so try and get out and about and, and watch the training sessions. Again, watching trialists, watching the current academy pair, seeing, seeing how everyone's doing. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in and around the office as much as I can be. Um, but then there's, there's going to be days where I go and meet school teachers or where I go and meet potential players or go and have a coffee with agents or um, scouts from across the country. So it really varies. But like I say, I don't mind it. I mean, <laughs> if you're doing something that you don't enjoy and that's the case, it's a bit more difficult. But when you're doing and talking about something that you love each and every day, then you don't really mind it. As long as as long as long you do factor in the family and stuff like that. I think my first week I got a bit overwhelmed and did every hour, did about 72 hours in a week and didn't see my girls for, for seven days and they were a bit like, is everything okay? But um, yeah, keeping the work-life balance in place and then and, and doing what I can to, to make sure I succeed. Well, they, they say absence make the, makes the heart grow fonder. So get some time away from the girls when you see them again. <laughs> I love you. I'd love to feel from my side, most certainly, from their <laughs> side of it. I'm not so sure. <laughs> what, what, I, what I love about what you were talking about and what I've experienced is the, although you have a plan, set plan, the uncertainty that can crop up and you're able to then move stuff around and be, be flexible. Whereas, yeah. being, I'm guessing being an IT office base when I was in construction, it was kind of rigid when I was a site manager. You, you have to be on site at this point. Yes, you can possibly get away, but it was more like, yeah, you're there from half seven to half five, every day, five days a week, possibly six, yeah. maybe seven, depends how, how the job's going. Whereas now, I dictate where I'm going to be, what I'm doing. Oh, all in an allowance with my boss, Stacey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, long, yeah. As, long as, as long as she's happy, she's fed and watered. That's the way jobs are done. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. But, um, yeah, like I said, I don't mind it. If, if I'm out and about and I'm meeting new people and 
like I said earlier, you kind of meet so many people with so much life experience in, in different ways and in different places. And the conversations that you have always kind of build up to the next thing. And a lot of it's really exciting. I mean, I was I was down watching the academy on on Saturday, and I think in the space of an hour and a half being down there, I'd met a scout from Tottenham, a scout from Man City, a scout from Man United, a scout from Leicester. Um, the previous guy that was in my role, who's now at Southampton, was down there. Um, we had Peterborough and their head of recruitment was there. And all of that's in the space of an hour and a half. And your contacts list's been added and, and carrying so much more weight now because you've got these key contacts in, in certain clubs. And, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those. I was going to ask... And, so I was going to ask, is it like a solitary role? Where the way you're talking, it, it sounds like you've got community, a community at Oxford, you've got a team around you, but also when you go away, you have the community of scouts. So, yeah, it sounds like you're yeah, working with a lot of people. Yeah, I think that um, there's this, I, there's, it's not so much a perception. Everybody will always say it's a dog-eat-dog world, but um, I, I feel especially in scouting where there's, you're, you're literally taking the, the top 1% that, there's, there's room for everybody here. So when I see other scouts, it's not one of those we have to stand at opposite ends of the pitch. We'll both be stood next to each other talking about the game, talking about our clubs, talking about what's going well. And then that's when when I'm looking for certain players in certain areas and I know I can pick up the phone to certain scouts now and say, yeah, I'm looking for this, is there anything? Um, and speaking to some of these kind of cat one clubs where they're saying, look, we're going to release players at some point. Do you want me to give you a call, give you a heads up when we do that? then by all means, there's, there's more players to, to add to the fire. So, yeah, we will see. Um, but the, I think I've, I've always loved networking. I've really been a people person from when I was young. I've never been shy about having a conversation or anything. So, um, yeah, the, the bigger the network, the better. That's it. I love that you just dismissed that perception as well because I've spoken to a few people, one of the other podcasts, I spoke to Emma, the role she's in, and one that I'm hoping to get with a guy called Dale from Blue Blood. And at the levels they're at, they made the same comment as you. The people that they network with that are in the same industry, it's not doggy dog. It's actually a friendship because you don't know what little nugget they may give you or you better help them to help you. But yeah, Absolutely. when you when you're looking up, you might think, oh, that person's against that person. Whereas no, it is all quite friendly because you appreciate that your success is their success and vice versa. So you're not trying Absolutely. to Absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. No, I, I genuinely enjoy it and, and love meeting new scouts and scouts from all over the country and um, one of the one of the guys I work with holds a um, scouts kind of weekly catch up where there's about 150 scouts that join onto a Zoom call and we have discussions about different kind of topics and points and stuff like that that and different challenges that we're all coming up against. Um, so everybody's learning from each other and, and kind of helping each other along the journey. Nice. I um, I read a quote recently. Um, so just think about your role now that said about understand when your parents were growing up they were still learning too so obviously yeah. I appreciate now I'm in a new kind of role lifestyle I'm still learning but bringing up my children for you in the in the role of a head scout do you get the the looks from younger children I'm thinking about when we were younger and the scout would be like around you'd be looking and pointing do you do you feel that like that absolutely you, your, your presence in the room or on the pitch <laughs> absolutely yeah everywhere I go and I, I think the Oxford's very big on going out and making sure that we're badged up like everywhere I go everywhere I send my scouts like make sure that they're out in their jackets and stuff like that but partly because I think it is, it's professional and and it shows that we're actually out doing what we're saying that we're doing and recruiting the best players in, in the county but also because I, I was that kid one day that looked over and saw a scout and all of a sudden like you 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 up your game by ten. Yeah. So I remember I was over at Oxford City walking around in my jacket, and there was this one kid playing left back, and he kind of looked over at me after playing about fifteen minutes, just kind of going through the motions. And I, the poor kid just ran himself into the ground after looking over at me. <laughs> Literally, there wasn't a tackle he didn't go in for. He did not stop running and stuff like that. And then I, I love to see it, and I think that the kids love to know that scouts are having a look. Because all of a sudden, oh, I might be scouted by Oxford United. And the parents are always quite keen to come over and tell you, oh, that's my son. He does this, this and this. And that's that's one of the things you get a lot. A lot of parents that um, want to come over and have a conversation. But I'm all for that. And I mean, part of what I do and, and where I am now, I get an awful lot of parents and, and, and players all 
in my inbox telling me about themselves and what they're doing and their fixtures and stuff like that. And I make sure that I go out of my way to respond to everybody. I think think back to when I was young and people were sending, there weren't really emails back then, but contacting clubs however they could and they were just ignored. But for me, I love the interaction. And if, if I can't bring players in, if I can hopefully give them a bit of feedback on what they could do better. If if I'm around or I've got a free evening and someone says they got a fixture, would I would I go and have a look at them in action? Then I'll go over and have a look. And um, if someone sends me footage, then I'll try and give them feedback on on where they can improve or or try and open the door for them somewhere else. So yeah, I love the interaction. I love being that guy on the side of the pitch that people look over at and think, oh, this, this guy might be able to help me out here. And and I love the enthusiasm from parents when they come over. And I I've got we've both got kids and and you you will always want to back your kid and you'll always want to give your kid the best opportunity so I completely admire parents that come over and try and open a door for their children as well yeah I, th- I think that's a again another benefit of children growing up in this day and age where you had you said you have the footage um the social media element where you can share or a scout could potentially see it you mentioned about um the emails and stuff. i remember doing doing work experience at Oxford united with les taylor and I was opening the post and there were letters from players that had been re- released from clubs. And like he was, he had to make a judgment on the letter and obviously the content of the yeah. letter, you're going to big yourself up and you're asking questions. Well, if they got recommended from that club, why hasn't the club taken them on? Take, taking them on. And they possibly didn't have the network that you have now where you could ring someone up and say, oh, this player, what, what do you reckon? What do you think about him? So Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I dread to think how it worked all those years ago. I remember my mum sent a letter to Man United to say, um, <laughs> would would they give me a trial? Um, I mean, I've, yeah, I've, got, I mean, I've got a few of those. There's a when I got released uh, after the three year scholar, yeah, sent letters off, and there's a, there's, a, there's an archive somewhere. My mum's all the responses back. Oh, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> it must. Have, I, I can't even imagine how difficult it was for them back there. Even now, like people will send me footage of them in action and stuff, and you're like, obviously these these kids and 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 kind of academies and stuff will only send you the best bits. You're not going to see the 95% that they don't send of, the, of these people in action. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, it's good to see that kids and parents are really embracing the fact that we've got this technology now. And despite some of the footage being questionable when it's sent over, and I don't know whose mum's hidden in the bush with a <laughs> with a phone trying to film it. But um, other than that, like, no, I... They're really embracing the technology and we're getting some really quality stuff coming through now. Uh, some of the player profiles that I get sent on a daily basis look fantastic. And um, yeah, one of the big things for me is song choice on your on your, um, on, on your highlights reel. Because if I really like the song choice, I might, listen, I might watch it a couple of times. Okay, that, that's, a, that's, um, a good, that's a good note to remember for anyone that wants to say yeah. something. Yeah, make sure it's a good song. I'm glad you mentioned Definitely. that point, actually. I wasn't going to ask this question, but it's something I've been thinking about developing. So player profiles, um, Jaden went through the process at Reading, um, got released and they gave him a profile, which wasn't quite, it was, it was shit. Like, but I'm gonna be quite honest with you. So <laughs> I, I remade it, took the stats, made sure they were, it was legible, it was in order, it made sense. Um, but it was just a PDF, which we again sent mm-hmm. to clubs and he had with the, a digital file. I'm in the process now of hoping to develop a digital format that includes videos and like different sections do you receive those like as in with with content within 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 the video profile so so to be fair you'll get the profile kind of pdf that has um all of the stats uh minutes played uh goals scored and and whatnot and then uh, quite often they'll add video links in um sometimes you have to request the footage um, but generally, they'll add the video links into the player profile so that you can click on them within the profile and then it will link you to private YouTube videos and stuff like that that people can only view if um, they've got the link. Right. So um, it, it varies. Uh, some clubs will send you loads of information. Some clubs will just send a player profile with five, six, seven players just listed on on a PDF and little inf- little to no information. So um, it varies player to player, um, club to club. Bournemouth have sent me some fantastic profiles over, to be fair. They're probably the best ones I've received so far have come from Bournemouth. Um, but each and every club has their own way. And, yeah, I mean, generally, you'll have a look and 
kind of gauge off of the, the stats and, and any footage you can get hold of. The, the actual profile document is is great, but it's, it's just a reading document. Yeah. It's gonna, as long as it's got the right information on that part of it, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's the footage afterwards or or kind of if they can give us fixtures to attend, then then we'll go out to those those fixtures and watch. It's nothing better than being out on the grass. As much yeah. as I love watching video footage, <laughs> I mean, I just want to be on the grass and see how someone's doing. Yeah, I won't say too much more on the profile. I knew, I don't want to give you too much away, but just means now I've got to get into action and, and execute it. But um, <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to run it by you and then let me let me know what you think. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Looking at the the technology people have now, and looking at stuff like um, blockchain and stuff, NFTs is how we we link that all together to create a document like a passport that people can take with them and, and share, but have also have ownership of it. So obviously, if you're sending yeah. out profiles, you don't know where it's going or where it's ending up, but with certain bits of technology, you can actually actually see where it's going. Maybe if they viewed it, they can respond to it and leave comments. So, yeah, it's, it's so what I found now. Whenever I used to look at something, I always think, now what else? What else can this lead to? Um, having great conversations actually with a, a mutual friend of ours. I'm going to dox him now, Bernardo. Um, yeah, so yeah. we chat every now and then. And we speak. I'm desperate to get him on. Actually, he has agreed to come on the pod, but we speak for an hour and a half about ideas and we think like, why are we not doing it? We're talking about it. So yeah, the plan of action is have an idea, execute it. And then if it doesn't work, yeah, absolutely. then learn from it. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be a doer. Like like you say, there's no point in coming up with all these great ideas and them just sitting on the shelf and then you'll never know. And then one day when we get older and we look back, we're like, why didn't I do that? So yeah, be a doer for sure. Wicked. Um, can I take you back then? So well, obviously when you left school, did you initially go down the, the IT route? Obviously, you were still Absolutely playing not. at that time. Yeah, so I think when I left school all those, all those years ago, I was one of the, the many that believed that they were going to be a professional footballer at some point. It's just a matter of time. So um, education was poor for me. Um, stepped away after school and, and went to college where I think I spent... 90% of my college life just in the in the main hall just playing pool with the rest of us that, that were bombing off lessons um, and then realised that I was old enough to drive so I did my driving lessons and then I was like well, I've got to finance a car somehow so um, got a local office job very much kind of data entry stuff um, licking envelopes and sending the post out and then from there it was kind of just job hopping it, it was very varied. I just knew that I had bills to pay. Um, I'd get bored in one place and then I'd move somewhere else, go and work for a year. So I think I was a, I was an auditor. I was a um, police inquiry centre officer for for 12 months. Um, Sorry, what, what does that require? <laughs> that was working on the emergency line. So before okay. 999, I'd have been on the end of the phone answering the call. Um, so I did that for a year. Then went to British Gas for a year or two, um, and then finally made the move to Sophos, and then was there for for ten years. So, yeah, very varied past, but like I said, I knew that I had bills to pay, and there were times in between jobs where I'd be waiting for a couple of weeks to start a new role, so I go and work in a warehouse for two weeks and, and make sure that continued that that steady flow of income to make sure that bills weren't missed well I say bills weren't missed I spent a lot of it on nights out and stuff I think up until the age of about 22 I was out every Thursday Friday Saturday some Wednesdays like whatever I could do so when you mentioned passing so, yeah. your test sorry when you mentioned passing your test I just had a flashback I'm not sure if you recall like there was um an event in Swindon uh, what was the Brunel rooms and I just remember there was yeah. like a convoy of cars in Oxford. I remember you speeding down the uh, A420. <laughs> yeah, that was just, I was all over the place when I was young. I think I did about three freshers weeks in different universities and I was never in university. And um, Yeah, I think just being the first driver from the group just meant that, and especially when you've got close mates that are DJs and you just end up absolutely all over the country every weekend. Um so yeah, Swindon was a hot spot. We was in Bristol a lot with Bernardo when he was at uni. Uh, we was up in Liverpool all the time with Emeka when he was in uni. Um, and then Specs and the boys were obviously out DJing here, there and everywhere, every single night. So I was with those. Um, so yeah, I have absolutely no regrets. I mean, I could have done the uni thing. I could have done 
better in college and whatnot. But I think that I think that my struggles have kind of made me who I am today, and and really made me appreciate um, the parts in life that I can now kind of enjoy. So, um, yeah, I think the struggles for me. I think if I was given it all, or if I took a a different route, then who knows where I'd be. But I just know that the journey I have had has has had some amazing times in it, and and stuff I can definitely look back and tell my kids about and and um and it's got me to where I am today so I really can't complain too much about my past definitely not definitely not so you, you mentioned about dreams of being a pro footballer when you left school um mm. I was gonna ask when did that go for me when I got to the age of 27 I thought it's not gonna happen then obviously I went through a process of just not doing anything exercise wise put on a bit of weight then found health and wellness, lost those weight. And in my mind, my son's gassing me up saying, Dad, you can still make it. So I'm 35. I'm thinking, I can still do this. So I'm still trying to get back no, into it now. But obviously, in I my think, mind, um, there, there was a point where, yeah, you know, you know, you know you're not as good as the ones that are professional. But for you, when 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 did that when did that come? Or has it not come yet? <laughs> uh, no, to be fair, I think I did the um I went through to, to 16. 17 and then I just I've never had the opportunity with going on trial at an academy or well I had copious amounts of trials at academies but never got through that pro process so never had any time at academies or anything um and then I, I watched the likes of you and Eddie and everybody else shoot, and Lex and everyone all shooting off in different directions with academies and whatnot and then I think yeah from there I kind of just veered away from it and just played local and it was quite nice because I was one of the better ones in local football. So I felt like actually I'm getting all of the accolades and stuff at this level. I don't mind it. I'm enjoying life now. I'm, I was out. So I, it was funny because I was listening to your, um, your listened to a few of your podcasts over the last um, couple of weeks, but the one with Archie where you're talking about being a grime head and I lived that whole grime generation. So <laughs> When I was 15, 16, we were making the trips over to, with some of the older lot, over to Sanctuary and Milton Keynes. And we started started raving down there. And, and that was the likes of Dizzy Rascal and Tinchy Strider and all those, like the, when they first come onto the scene. Um, and from there, I just followed the journey and was, was out and about as many times as I could to Eskimo dances and, and Swindon and everywhere that they'd throw on sidewinders or twice as nice. And, and those things so yeah really followed the journey with all those guys and I think that that kind of pulled me away from the football side of things because I couldn't be serious about football I was busy out partying with everybody and football was kind of a I'd go on a Saturday and Sunday I used to love Sundays with a load of drunk men turning up um, trying to play football and I was the, the young enthusiastic one that could handle a night out and still do football on a Sunday morning um, so yeah, I think it was quite early on that I realised that that wasn't going to be the route for me. Obviously, in the back of your mind, you think I could probably do it like, if I was out there, then I, I wouldn't be far off. But yeah, I kind of gave up the dream reasonably early and just spent my life focused on on nonsense, really, when I probably should have been doing a, a little bit more with my life. But um, But no, I mean, I'll always look back and question if I did things different. I think one of the the big things I look back on was was my team choice when I was younger. And I think when you had the Colts side, I used to always go and play Colts. And I used to be like, Dad, I want to play for the Colts should side. Should have joined like, the Colts. Oh. You could have had two oh, teams up top. I said, all, <laughs> I, said, I said all the best players play for Colts. Do want to play for Colts? Like, no, no, no. You stay at Florence Park because like you're 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 the big fish in the pond. I said, yeah, yeah, but I want to play for Colts. They've all got good boots and they've got a good kit. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah, I gave up on that, that dream pretty early, but at the same time, kind of enjoyed watching friends and, and stuff do so well um, in their career paths. And then I just kind of cracked on with life from there um, and lived year by year and just making sure that I was making ends meet and enjoying myself at the same time. So, yeah, I still always see the academy lot out there and on the training ground and think I'll oh, chuck my boots on and jumping with them would be fine. It wouldn't be a problem. But no, I think that um yeah, I'll stick to I'll have a run out for the vets every now and again. Um makes me feel young again. <laughs> but um aside from that, yeah, I think I, I kind of gave up on that pretty early. I think there's definitely sacrifices sacrifices that have to be made, but 
it's bearing in mind that nothing is, is set in stone. So there's no guarantees. And I mentioned to my son, like, obviously we do a lot of challenges individually and as a family. And there's one we're doing right now, which I did 2020. He, he's done a couple of times called 75 hard. And it's very disciplined doing a couple of workouts a day. You're doing mental challenges, you're reading. I say, I say to him every now and then, imagine if someone said to you, if you do 75 hard challenge, but do it for a year, two years, three years, but there's no guarantee you make it as a pro, but you'll give yourself the best chance. Would you do it? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I would. He's like, okay, if everyone knows that, why don't they do it? And it's just, again, the, the consistency and discipline, because Absolutely. even if you don't make it, you, are, you would make yourself a better person and also a better, probably a better player, but it's about how you're having the discipline. And I know as much as I did within the game, I took time out and I wasn't disciplined. Say no one is 100%, but even if it's just 99%. And I, I look back and think of times I told myself I was working hard, but I could have worked harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it, it's all good in hindsight, isn't it? I think when you're there in the moment, it's, it's a very different story, yeah. especially with the distractions that we had when we were young and, and it being a very different time. But um, yeah, I think if, if you can commit to something and, and really, like I saw the 75 hard thing the other day and the first thing I thought was I can't, can't commit to that. <laughs> But yeah, if you can commit to something and really engage yourself and really buy into something like that, then then anything's possible. Like you say, it could be a 75 hard. It could. I was watching the darts over Christmas and they were saying that they spend about six hours a day throwing darts at a dartboard. If you can commit that and, and you can see, actually, that's going to give me the best opportunity to do that, then, then yeah, there's yeah. no reason that you can't do anything. Um so I'm not telling you that you're going to make it as a pro again <laughs> back in the gym tomorrow morning. Thinking, I've still got time, but um, but yeah, that, anything is possible, and and if you if you believe it, then you can certainly achieve. I think it's the book. There's a book, Relentless. I'd recommend everyone to read. I believe it's that one. I can't remember who wrote it. That's awful. But he, I think he worked with Michael Jordan. But he said about having twenty thousand hours to be an elite performer in anything in life, mm -hmm. whether it's playing piano yeah. or athletics or whatnot. Um, so I think I worked out 20,000 hours equates to, is it like three or four times a week for the over like 10 to 15 years? Someone do the maths on this, but around that time. So he's like, yeah, you have to put the work in from an early age, but even if, if it's not from an early age, you can still get to that elite level, but you just have to put the hours in. Obviously the older you get, the less, the less, the less time you have and probably less yeah. opportunity, but we've seen people that we know personally that they've got receipts, they've put the work in and they've made it. So I always said, I'm looking at young people now my son, his generation younger, thinking, one, I would love to be where you are to have your chance. I've had my chance. And obviously, people would have looked at us, our generation, thinking, oh, everything you've got available to you, why don't you just like knock, put your head down and knuckle down? But again, mm. if anyone's listening who's young, I would just stress, you've got so much of life ahead. Even if you just yeah. dedicate three or four years to just being the best you could possibly be, nothing's guaranteed, but you don't know where that will set you up for life. Um, so yeah, Absolutely. If, if I can give words of wisdom to anyone, one person takes that, then yeah, I'll be happy. <laughs> Absolutely. And while we're on the subject of books, I, I once read a book called um, Black Box Thinking by Matthew Said, I believe his name was. Um, and it was all about um, learning from your mistakes and, and how, like, if you, if you have a mistake, don't let it knock you because there's something to be learned from that. Um, so I definitely recommend reading that alongside the book that you just mentioned, because I think you read those two books kind of back to back, you'll, you'll take a lot of knowledge from them. Yeah, I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. There's also another one, The Compound Effect, which talks about efforts you make. You may not see progress straight away, but time, if you do them time after time after time, the effects will be compounded uh, tenfold, twentyfold, hundredfold. So it's about, yeah, staying remaining, remaining consistent. Curse for the books and that. Who'd have thought that <laughs> 10 years ago, eh? Exactly. <laughs> I, I was, I was to reading be fair, one today. A lot of, go on. Go on. No, you go. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of my time now, especially when um, we've got away days with the academy and stuff, we're driving down to Plymouth or Exeter and so forth, um, and I get my Audible on or I get my, um, yeah. my yeah. podcast on, so I spend <laughs> so much time with books and podcasts and like, back, like I used to I used to sit in the car with my dad back in the day and we'd be going football or we'd be going somewhere and they'd have talk sport on and I was like listening to talk sport it's just people yeah. talking like <laughs> put some music on and now I'm the guy in the car and my kids are always changing the station because they could change the stations and so they're changing the stations and putting one extra on or, or capital or something like that so um 
I'm going to shout out one of your colleagues now, um, Eddie Denton, when he used to manage at Slough, he used to give us a lift and he used to have like talk sport, yeah. Radio 5 on. And I'm listening thinking, what is this? Whereas now, <laughs> I know my daughter's in the car, she'll come in, I'll pick up from school and I've again got a podcast on and she'll like try and put on her um, Fun Kids UK or whatever. I was thinking that sometimes I just want to sit and listen and, get, and gain knowledge. And um, Absolutely, I was yeah. to, to a football dad recently, we're talking about a quest for knowledge. And at this age, not saying everyone stops but you find yourself in the profession where possibly your knowledge is just on that profession nothing else whereas when you open your mind up you just want more information i'm reading a book now i'm looking at called spirit level which is about mm. equality in society and how we can gain that and i did a couple of um stories on instagram today but reg- regularly when i read a book i'm making notes i'm writing things down i'm sharing it with people's like yeah i have a quest for knowledge now whereas when i had career in construction i saw it as this is going to be me for a while maybe life and not everything was focused around that, but I didn't seek anything else out because I was just settled. Yeah. Whereas now you're just trying to improve your mind, improve your body. And it's just, yeah, a zest for life. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So without, um, obviously you've just got a new role now. I'm not trying to put you in a position. Plans for the future, say five, 10 years into the future, where, where would you see yourself? Um, it's difficult to say. Like I obviously want to want to continue up the career path, but also my job's quite quite rewarding in the sense that you're, you're bringing talent into the building. You want to see that talent go all the way up the ladder. So I'd, yeah. I'd love to stay with the club as, as far as possible. Um, I'd like to one day be a kind of head of recruitment for the overall club. Um, obviously, there's a lot to learn to, to go in that direction. And it's very different to, to going out and, and just scouting youngsters at grassroots levels than you're involved in actual deals and, and bringing players to the club that's going to cost the club money. So um, that's the kind of direction I'd like to go, just continue to work my way up the ladder. But at the same time, um, yeah, I'd like to to remain with the club for as long as possible. And being being at a club that you're a fan of is, is kind of ideal because you embrace everything and, and you really want to see the success behind it. It's not just about you and what you do in your role and how successful you look. It's about actually... I want to see the club do well. I want to make sure that in in five years' time we're one of the top thirty clubs in in England, kind of thing. I want to make sure that we keep driving in that forward forward direction and and kind of making Oxfordshire glow and really putting us on the map. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping it's still with with Oxford, but at the same time, um, doors open all the time. And and like I said to you when we met, the stars align at times. And uh, if that happens and it's it's elsewhere, then it may well be elsewhere. But um, I'd like to think I'd still be with Oxford just in a different capacity. Well, I think it's a, a great story. You, you often hear for football clubs, a local boy made good who's played played for the first team and stayed with them. But to have you, that as LA, again, local boy, played locally, now involved with the, with the coaching and recruitment. Um, yeah, if it's the longer you can stay, the better. Obviously, with your network connections and just being that person that everyone can look to and say, I, there's, a, um, there's a connect. They can see they see yeah. you around. They know who you are, and like you're representing representing your local area. Yeah, it's quite nice. I, I've had a few parents come up to me since taking on my role and be like, "Ah, oh, played football against you there," or <laughs> "Remember when we was at so and so together?" And oh, you know, so and so. I love all that because that is what I feel like was one of my biggest draws for the club. The fact that yeah, just the the local people know me. So if it does come to handing your kid over to somebody that you believe is trustworthy or you've known in the past and, and I'm there. So, um, yeah, I love all that. And and like I said, I'd love to remain with the club because I'm a big fan of the club and um, and still find it a bit strange going to work every day and seeing some of the first teams around or seeing the gaffer walking around and, <laughs> and you're a bit like, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> That's so-and-so. And I know it shouldn't be like that because I work for them now, but still the fan part of me still kind of catch me off guard every now and again. I think, so going back to your point you made about parents handing their children over to you, obviously children are mm. parents there, but most prized possession. The fact, I think you need to give um, kudos to yourself where certain people might get to certain positions, but have got there and not been liked or have done certain things that are going to rub people along the wrong way. But the position you're in, I've, I fully believe that you've, you've made lots of friends along the way. You haven't treated anyone badly. So yeah, parents who know you, won't feel a way about actually yes I know JJ I wouldn't mind my my child to be in his presence or 
to be in an environment where that JJ's in because if he's there, what we know it's going to be going to be a good setup. Yeah, I mean, I've always been huge on making sure that you have positive interactions with everybody. Um, you may not always see eye to eye with people, but if you if you keep those interactions positive, then you never know where your paths will cross further down the line. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like to think that I've got an awful lot of friends out there now, and, and everybody does feel like if they're talking my name, it's in a in a positive light. So um, yeah. Hopefully, I'm reasonably liked in that. If so, then that should hopefully help push me in the right direction. Yeah, yeah so a message to anyone listening is just be nice. because You never know. Yeah, when be you nice. Need, you need someone honestly, 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 be nice. <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually why um my Twitter handle is that be nice and mind how you go. <laughs> uh, it really is. And, and I, I think that's such an undervalued thing. Like I used to walk, walk around um, my previous company when I worked for Sophos and I knew the sales floor quite well I knew everybody quite well but um would always greet some of the older women and, and say good morning beautiful or I'd, I'd see some of the guys and I'd be like oh have you lost weight this week oh, I like your new head and you don't sometimes realize how much that means to somebody like this yeah. those women are calling them beautiful bright in their week not just their day or or a guy that's probably been at home and doing a 50 sit-up challenge or something and being told oh, have you lost a bit of weight it really like picks them up and, and really brightens their day or, or their week, like I say. So I, there's there's no reason not to have nice interactions with people. Like be positive, big people up wherever you can, open doors for people, help elevate people. Like it, it doesn't just help you. It, it really does kind of spread out. Like if you do it for one person, then they're buzzing for the day. So they'll do it for someone else. And that just continues to spiral and it becomes a bigger thing. So yeah, exactly. It, Paying it, for, paying, it, paying it forward and making the world a better place. There's, there's, there's no harm in it and it costs nothing. Yeah, I lost you a bit there, but... I say, I say, sorry, there's no harm in it and it costs nothing. It costs nothing to be nice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No. Big advocate of it. Wicked. So um, I'm going to ask the question I ask every guest, um, lastly. You have a time machine. Uh, you go back... Sorry, what I didn't ask, what school did you go to? Upper school. Did you mention? Uh, all the schools I went to got knocked down. So I used to go to, <laughs> I, I went to Donington Middle School, they knocked that down. And then I went yeah. to St. Augustine's for upper school and yeah. then they knocked that down. So, uh, and, a, yeah. and there, there are rumours now, rumors now that Oxford may be moving ground. So, <laughs> <laughs> not because Sam died as well. Yeah. There might be something in that, Ginger. <laughs> something about me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, you, know, you go back then to the gates at St. Augustine's, you see your, your 16 year old self. Oh my goodness, dinner's ready. The alarm's going off. What's Stacey doing? <laughs> you can tell this, this is natural and alive. Hopefully she'll sort it out. Yeah, she's done it. Sorry about that, listeners. <laughs> I'll leave that in. I'll leave that in. Um, you're at St. Augustine's. You see your 16-year-old self. What one bit of advice would you give yourself? Um, it's a difficult one because, like I say, I don't, I don't regret, regret anything from my path. Everything that has happened has made me um, I think that I just just tell myself to to enjoy life, challenge everything, like in a sense of don't always believe what you're told. Make sure you do your own research. Make sure you really challenge things like when you're receiving information and, and also um, travel. <laughs> Go and see the world. That was one of my biggest, to probably my only regret. The one thing I'd say actually was a regret that I didn't go out and see the world more. I, I managed to to find myself a role where I did get out and see an awful lot of the world and, and saw a lot of different things. And I just wish I'd taken the time out when I was young to really do that because now I'm in a position where I can't do that until maybe five, ten years down the line. So, yeah, yeah, get out and see the world. It reminds me of a line that um, someone said to me once. I went to see Hack Baker. He's a musician. He came to Oxford. And I knew he was coming back for a festival in the summer. So I was speaking to someone in his band and I said, oh, um, are you coming back in the summer? And he, his line to me was, like, he's from London, he went, the world's bigger than Oxford, my friend. <laughs> I, I, felt, I, felt, I felt hurt, but in my mind, I think, no, but I know you're coming back. But in his mind, he's thinking, I don't leave anywhere. I just wait for people to come to Oxford. So, yeah, yeah. as you say that, yeah, just, just travel. So you, when you have a conversation with people, you have something other to talk about than, than your local area. <laughs> Absolutely. The world's an amazing place. So get out and see it. Well, wicked, wicked. well, thanks for your time, JJ. Um, I'm guessing the listeners will get plenty of, of um, content and inspiration from this. Before you go, what's your favourite song? Well, <laughs> <laughs> or, um, on the moment. Do you know what? My song, my, my playlist, just wild. Like, you'll be listening to 
So probably Getz or someone one minute and then you've got Adele and then you've probably got a little bit of um, jazz from somewhere. So it's, it's all a little bit mad. Um, an eclectic mix. I was just trying to gauge anyone yeah, listening yeah, yeah. wants to send in a video, what sort, sort of songs should they go for? I'm guessing Getz because it's a bit more lively. So Adele yeah, might be a, a lively bit more... one, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big R and B man, though. So, so yeah. There's a lot of uh, of R and B B songs. I probably, I probably say, "Rock with You" by Jazzy Jeff and Arrow. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good one. one. But uh, you made, you mentioned you were a grime head earlier, so uh, for Polly, I can suggest to people if they send the videos in, put put a grime track, Dizzy Rascal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, put some, yeah. <laughs> that that would get your attention. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that really would to be fair. That'd be quite nice. It's, it's usually them drill songs and stuff nowadays. It's a little bit fiery for me, but yeah, take it back a little bit. Maybe some funky house. That would really catch my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, again, thanks for your time. If you stay on, we'll have um, a debrief after the course ended. But for anyone listening, thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed it. And I'll leave you with, there's only one real JJ. So I want to hear that chanted. <laughs> when you see JJ turn up at a, a football tournament or festival or game, just give him a little nod and say, yeah, there's only one real JJ. <laughs> thanks, thanks for your time, mate. Cheers for having me. Cheers for having <laughs> me. Bye, bye. So glad that we got to have this conversation and share it with you all. I trust that you'll find inspiration in some way or form, whether it's listening to Jefferson's journey, where he is now, or the books that he recommended. Check out all of the links in the show notes. Follow Jefferson on social media. And if you'd like to get involved with the pod, send me a message or a voice note. Until next time, spice up your life.